Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Ruminations of Red Room. I'm your host, Kyle, with AK. And today, we have joining me, Ian, with two E's. Ian, what's up? How's it going, Kyle? It's going pretty well. How about you? Um, good. Um... Well, also joining us, we have Brendan, Mr. Fantastic. Brendan, how you doing? I'm doing all right. Got a got a nice little mug of uh, lavender chamomile tea in my Friday the 13th mug. So waiting for that to hit room temp so I can uh, slide on into that. <laughs> <laughs> I'm loving this fucking vibe you're putting out right now. All right. Well, um, why do you drink tea like room temperature? That's gross. Why not like hot? Or at least a little bit above room temp. Um, well, okay. I, I shouldn't have said room temperature, but I... um. So, so it's hard to see, but I I cover... Mm. my tea with either a, a bowl or a, 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 flat, a flat little plate. Um, so I, I let it steep for about 30, 35 minutes. Mm. Um, so you can really get the flavor out of them bags. Um, Got you. Yeah. And then by, by about 35 minutes, it's usually a, a palatable temperature for me. Is there anybody here that's more of a tea person than a coffee person? Uh, I, I don't think, drink either. I, I think, unfortunately, at this point, I've become more of a tea person. Why do you say unfortunately? I, I prefer coffee so much more. Oh, okay. But gotcha. just because of my gastrointestinal issues, I can't drink coffee anymore. You know what I just picked up? I picked up a, um, what's it called? Um, God damn it. Bacterial uh, probiotic. I picked up a new probiotic because I'm old and that's what I get excited about these days. I picked up a new probiotic called Seed, and uh, it's working really well for my um, gas and bloating and uh, heartburn and all that gastrointestinal stuff. So if you have like problems like that, you should check that out. It's actually really good for your gut, helps with your skin, helps with your uh, hair, all that kind of stuff. I have um, too much skin, so I need some help with that. Yeah, no, I hear you on that. You didn't get Ian. <laughs> what were you gonna say? Uh, nothing. Oh, nothing. Okay. Um, do you have any weekly recs this weekend? Anything you want to shout out? Oh, I watched uh... a thing. So make it one. Is it? <laughs> what is it? <laughs> um, uh, the twenty twenty three film uh, M three Dan. So that was, uh, it was, um, it was better than I thought it was going to be. And it, it's, it's, it's called Megan. It's Megan. Um, yeah. I didn't know where you're going with that. Sorry. <laughs> it's got a three in there. So, um, no, it was, uh, it was a lot better than I thought it was going to be. Um, I really like doll stuff, doll movies, um, except for Chucky. I could never get into Chucky. It's a little too much on the humor side for me but um this was good it had some good it actually didn't have any good jump scares but it was pretty creepy and i would say it's uh it's it was it was a good watch it was a good good watch it was direct or uh, produced by james wan and he loves doll stuff he did the uh the what was the the one before dead silence the conjuring dead silence that was a great movie, and um, you can definitely tell he had a hand in this one. So, uh, I would, I would, uh, I would suggest it if you're if if you're you know out for something a little dolly, and you don't want to go to Parton. So, um, thank you for making the reference. I was going to do it after you, but you did it for me. So, thank you. So yeah, that's my uh, that's my weekly wreck. I anticipated the 3.5 on Letterboxd, as we previously discussed on Discord, but I was not anticipating the heart. You don't give too many hearts. What's with the heart on... Uh, like, I know you like it. I know you enjoyed it. I know you're into doll stuff, like a weirdo, but um, why the heart? Um, because uh, I, was, I was not... Uh, I didn't look at my phone or anything like that. I was, I was very entertained throughout the, the entire... Like, I think it's only 
90 minutes, maybe 101, something like that. Um, it's a pretty short watch, so uh, it, it kept me entertained. Sounds good. You got any weekly Rex for us, B-Dog, as Dylan would say? Uh, <laughs> Chat um, in the Discord. I'll, uh, I'll, I'll let you guys pick. Should I do a don't recommend? Because I don't have any recommends, mm. but I do want to talk about one of the two things. Um, should I do a don't recommend or what I'm anticipating consuming this week? Don't recommend. Don't recommend. Velma. Mm, that's an obvious. I don't even know why you had to bring that up. Why do you say it's an obvious? Not, not really. I, I was hyping it up on a couple episodes. I was very excited for it. The Scooby-Doo one? Yeah. No, the fucking Spider-Man one. Brennan, <laughs> <laughs> talk to us about Velma. Uh, so if you look at it as not a Scooby-Doo property... It's it's fine. The the issue that happened was it was a show that was created for HBO, and then at the last minute HBO said, "Okay, now make it Scooby Doo." Um, so it never was supposed to be, um, uh, a series about Velma Dinkley. It was supposed to be about another just random ass universe. But since the show is a uh, rated TV MA. Warner Brothers said um, you can't have Scooby-Doo in it. Um, yeah, I heard about that. So it was just it, it, was, a, it was a whole big thing. Um, the, the show is, is very confusing. I'm not sure if they're trying to poke fun at conservatives or at liberals but they don't do a good enough job of figuring out what their stance is. And it just kind of feels like a really muddy mess. There's so many jokes that don't land. For instance, uh, Shaggy kept saying that he was trying to reach, or I'm sorry, they call him Norville. Um, he said, he, uh, he said that, uh, he kept trying. Shaggy's not actually in it. He is. In 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 the Scooby Doo world, Shaggy's name is Norville Rogers. They oh, just, I didn't know that. Yeah, yeah. I didn't know that deep Scooby Doo lore. Um, but he uh, keeps saying that he was trying to reach out to Velma, and he said, "I left you a VM voicemail." But he says that specific joke about fifteen fucking times, and it wasn't funny the first time, <laughs> and it just slowly becomes less and less, uh, more more and more annoying. Um. And they have this really dumb meta joke where uh, they're uh, they're like, "Yeah, four twenty just means adults who still watch cartoons." Like, okay, mm. it's yeah, it just doesn't land. There's some great moments of body horror in it. There's a lot of uh, psychological horror because Velma hallucinates um, things, and that looks really cool. But overall, the show is just a big thumbs down in my book, and I was very excited for it. That's unfortunate. Is it uh, more like uh, what HBO's been putting out as far as like, is it more of a adult show, kind of like the Harley Quinn show and all that, or is it more made oh, for it, kids? It, it's very adult. It is. Very adult. The, in the first episode, Daphne and one of her friends gets into a uh, sh- uh, a fight in the shower while they're all naked. Um, yeah, and, the, and they use the word bitch and fuck as much as they can. It's just... See, what I like about Scooby-Doo the most is it doesn't really have a specific audience. Uh, it feels like, you know, you can you can watch it as an adult and still get enjoyment out of it, especially with those uh, late 90s, early 2000s movies. Those are, I don't know if it's just nostalgia, but like when I look back on them, it's, I get a lot of enjoyment and they have adult humor, but it's, it's, it's well written to where y- you might have missed it as a kid, but as an adult, you can you can get those jokes. Yeah, I I didn't really mind the that they wanted to make it rated R. Um it's just the the uh they just didn't pull it off. It's one of those things like like a 12-year-old or like an 11-year-old who learns the word fuck for the first time. You know, it's just it's just one of those things where uh it's inappropriate. They just want to use it in every sentence. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah. So, 
Big no recommend. Gotcha. I don't have any recs for this week. Um, what was that, Ian? <laughs> Nothing. Gotcha. Nothing, sir. <laughs> gotcha. <laughs> um, but I should have some next week because we have some releases coming out that I'm looking forward to. So, Like what? None of your business. So okay. we're going to get right into it. <clears throat> this has been a long time coming uh, to talk about this specific property, this IP rather. But today we're going to cover the HBO adaptation of a popular video game. It's called The Last of Us. Uh, going back a little bit, the first Last of Us, well, actually here, let's not even get into that. Do you guys have any history with The Last of Us? I know Ian doesn't have much, but uh, Brendan has a little. Uh, Ian, do you have any, like I know you haven't played the video games, but have you do you have any memory of like your friends playing them, watching them? Have you ever been interested in the IP or is this just like a, uh, a jumping in point for you? So when I picked up my PS4 um, back in like 2017, 2018, it was, I think, the first game I got. And um, I put about an hour and a half into it. I am not a fan of the third person uh, camera that is in the game. So I just could not get into it. Okay. Brendan, what's your history with The Last of Us game? Uh, it is the first game that I ever played. No, I'm kidding. Um, it's the first game that I played uh, beginning to end. The, the first game that I ever completed, I should say. Um, in college, it was a spectacular game. I think I'd gone on to play it maybe a total of five or six times. I want to say, um, Did you say 25 or 26. No, I said, uh, maybe five or six. Oh. Yeah. Um, I can't say I have as much love for the second one. Actually, I don't at all. Um, I think the second one is donkey. Um, <laughs> but I, there's just something about this, about the game that is just, inspiring is the wrong word but it's just like it moving it's very moving um when i play it in just every aspect cool um i'll never forget the summer of 2012 honestly uh that's because when they first showed this game off uh the developer naughty dog came on stage at a sony press conference at e3 in the summer of 2012 and they showed The Last of Us, but previous to this, they were really only known for Crash Bandicoot, Jack and Daxter, and they dabble a little bit in Uncharted. So this, when the Naughty Dog logo popped up, we were expecting probably another Uncharted game because they just released Uncharted 2 a couple years back, but we got something completely different. And uh, what they showed was a scene in an abandoned uh, hotel where Joel and Ellie are taking out a um, a bunch of scavengers and stuff, uh, systematically one at a time by different means, but they were showing off the gameplay in a way that um, has never been shown off before. It was a live gameplay demo. They were on stage playing it, which they've done in the past, but this game stood out to a lot of people. Like If you go back and watch this uh, live Sony conference, there's constant cheering in the crowd and gasping because it was game design that wasn't really seen before in the sense that you had AI and enemies reacting to choices that the player made, but not necessarily like dialogue choices and stuff, but like things that were happening in real time. Like when your bullets would run out and you would try to fire a clip, and it would make like a clicking sound. The enemy would call out like, that motherfucker's out of ammo. Like they would react to things that were happening on the fly that could change at, at any given playthrough. Or when Ellie would kind of decide to use like an environmental item to attack an enemy, um, which would never happen at the same moment in the game. Um, it was like a new design that was really impressive. And if you go back and watch it, it's 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 kind of... It's kind of cool hearing the crowd react to it. Uh, I was blown away by this fucking tech demo that they were showing off. Um, 
everyone was pretty excited for it. And when the game came out, it was easily my favorite game of all time. It became the best game I've ever played up until that point. And looking back at it now, it, it still holds the place. I think, I mean, there's a lot of games that I have a lot of nostalgia for that, um, have have held my place as my favorite game of all time but this one is the most recent one um so it's yeah it's it's one of the greatest games ever made and uh we'll get into why i think that before we get into the show or maybe like during the conversations of the show a little bit but um the first last of us game came out on playstation 3 it launched on june 14th of 2013 to huge critical acclaim um, so much to when the PS4 came out, they released a remastered version, which was pretty much the same game, which just 4K textures and ran at 60 frames per second. That was released on the PlayStation 4 on July 19th of 2014, only about a year later. And at that point, there was still there was a lot of controversy on uh, releasing a port of a game just a year later at full price, and people were pretty upset about it because the game was generally the same but i mean the 4k textures and the 60 frames per second did change the way the game played a lot and the way it looked um and it was running on ps4 hardware but a lot of people looked at it as like a cash grab uh, i picked it up um, i think it was worth the purchase it ran beautifully and i was really into the multiplayer at the time um it was called factions and it was a really cool take on um, a PvP multiplayer in the Last of Us setting. So I got it mostly for that because at that time I've played the campaign so many times that the, the multiplayer, I was still stuck in it. And this was a multiplayer that was now running in 60 frames and 4K. So I picked it up there. But most recently um, on the PlayStation 5 in, a, in the re, um, a recent release, The Last of Us Part 1 titled uh, came out on September 2nd of 2022. And this is a quote-unquote remake of the game where they utilized the last of us part two's graphic engine updated to retexture the entire last of us one game um it looks gorgeous it looks like the last of us two but better um which if you look at a graphical comparison of the last of us one and the last of us part one um which is the original 2013 game compared to the 2022 game remake it is night and day different um, so that is the definitive way to play it. And if anybody is interested in playing the game and has access to a PlayStation 5 or plans on purchasing a PlayStation 5, I highly recommend playing that version of the game. Just due to quality of life changes and, like I said, the graphics um, take advantage of the newer hardware and the newer engine um, and kind of put it on par with The Last of Us Part 2. But that being said... We're going to get into the HBO adaptation. Uh, the Last of Us. The first episode is called When You're Lost in the Dark. And many people that are fans of The Last of Us will get that reference from the game. It's something that the Fireflies uh, say and preach and graffiti on walls. It's kind of like their motto. Um, the show, the show's forerunner sorry, um, is Craig Mazin. He's known for Chernobyl, which is a previous HBO show. He also uh, wrote Scary Movie 3, among many other things, which is kind of interesting. Uh, he doesn't have... It's a good one, in my opinion. I think it's Ian's favorite. Is that right? Oh, wait, though, that's the science that right. yeah. yeah. I was thinking of the Saw one. Yeah, no, it's a good one. Um, let me see. He He doesn't have... I mean... <laughs> that great of a track record, in my opinion. But I mean, Scary um, Movie Three—that's that's Apex right there. Like, yeah, he he was director of two films, which is a superhero movie in 2008, oh. which was a scary movie spinoff of superhero films, and then the special in 2000, which I've never heard of, but looks like a spoof film as well. Um, so those are the only films he's ever directed. Uh, but he obviously gained a lot of popularity off of writing Chernobyl, which was a huge hit on HBO. And uh, I think the reason why he took uh, took advantage of making The Last of Us is because from a lot of the uh, interviews I've seen with him, he's a huge fan of the game. He's kind of like a super simp for it. And I think he wanted to, uh, you know, with his already like, 
um, good grace with HBO. I think he got it in and I think, uh, I think it was good. Um, we'll get into that though. Uh, the show was written by Craig Mazin and Neil Druckmann. Neil Druckmann is, um, at Naughty Dog. He is the co-creator of the last of us him and bruce straley created the game so he helped write the show at least the first episode i'm assuming he's going to be writing more of the episodes and i know he even has his hand in directing one of the episodes but i'm not sure which one yet um but the budget of this episode was roughly 10 million dollars and each episode is going to be about 10 million a lot of about 10 million per episode give or take anywhere from eight to 10 million, which I think is uh, the second most expensive HBO film outside of house of dragon or game of Thrones. It's one of the two. I could be wrong on that, but uh, yeah, they, they gave them quite a bit, uh, quite a bit of a big budget for the show. Um, I feel like they, uh, they kind of just let them run with it. Um, But let's get into it enough with the, the rants here. And the statistics and logistics. Let's go ahead and start with actually, Brendan. We'll start with you first. Um, you're a fan of the you know the game. You have more experience than Ian does. So, what are your thoughts of the first episode of the Last of Us, the Last of Us adaptation? Uh, that's a very good question. Thank you for that question. You're welcome. Um, <laughs> uh, I. I thought it was spectacular. Honestly, it it felt like I was almost it, it. It gave me that that feeling of almost playing the game again for the first time. Um, I like how it, there's there's some some minor changes, some minor tweaks. You know that they that they kind of had to do to make sure that they can get a full episode out of this uh, um, prologue, prologue, epilogue whatever the beginning is. Um, but I, I think that they, that they handled the source material very well. I think that they did, um, that they were able to do a good amount of fan service while also creating a show that if you're, if you've never played last of us, if you've never heard of last of us, you're going to be able to pick up the pieces as, as everything goes along. Um, I, I think that they're going to do a good job of uh, of uh, in, in this first episode they did um, uh, dropping breadcrumbs for you, um, but I mean just just watching the show and being like, oh my god, that's Marlene, or you know, um, oh my god, I know what the Fireflies are going to do. Like you know, just it was just. I, I think Kyle, you said it in Discord. Is this going to be the show that breaks the curse? Um, and I, I really really think that it is it's breaking records on rotten tomatoes um it's breaking streaming records so i i'm happy that that this is the product <clears throat> that we that we've gotten cool Ian, uh you not being a fan of the games and not having any experience you're going into this fresh um tell me what you think about this as a new property for you um tell me what you think of the first episode your overall thoughts um go so um i thought it was good it did i think that it's a great way for people who aren't into video games to experience the story um and hearing the hype from the people who or from the gaming community that think this is a really good episode and think it's not even really good that, that it's just great like it's an amazing episode um it gives me a lot of hope and and uh to hear that all the people that were involved or the main guy who was involved in the, in creating the game is actually creating the show. Like that's how you do it. Um, stuff like silent Hill and resident evil and the Lara Croft films, like they're, they're fun, but like they're not true to the game. And that's, that's the, the main flaw with them and, um, why they get the most hate, um, from one com- community to the other. Um, but this was a, it was a good first episode. Um, it raises a lot of questions for me, uh, not just about the show, but you know, is this just going to be another walking dead scenario or is it, is it just going to be another like basic zombie show? Right. Um, 
I am, but I am, it was, it was good. And I am curious to see more of the, the TV show. I think it left it, I think it left it, um, in a good spot. I think the reason why the last of us game was so important is because it kind of made the, I, okay, maybe not made, um, but it changed the way the world looked at video games because it brought, um, a more critical eye to storytelling in games and showed that it could be done in a, a really well-crafted way. And I don't think that games were taken as seriously as they were until the last of us came out. I think that kind of changed the way the gaming industry worked. And I think that's why you have a lot of games, even with older IP, like God of War, for example, that was like, if you play the first, God of War, it's just a bunch of titties and cursing and violence and there's really, like, there's a story, but it's not, like, deep really. It's just more about the gameplay. Before The Last of Us, games were more about the gameplay than the stories and I think Last of Us changed that to where the showing that you can tell a really, really good story and still have compelling gameplay that kind of brings it all together. And I'm hoping that the curse is broken with this because I think that seeing this show um, with how well it's adapted and not just how well it's adapted and true to the source material, uh, source material, but it's, it's well-made. Like it's, it's um, it, like it takes the source material seriously. And um, it's, when I saw that HBO was going to be behind this, I instantly didn't have very many doubts about it because HBO shows usually have a higher level of standards as far as like a bar that they set for themselves. And Sony takes very good care for the most part of its IP. And I think that um, it probably helps that Sony has a film kind of pipeline with like Sony pictures and stuff to where they probably have people that they can reach out to, to, kind of help them on this journey of transitioning their video games to movies and stuff like that. So I guess what I'm saying is just to kind of go back to the original point is I think this is a really good film adaptation or I mean, um, show adaptation, live action adaptation of a video game. I think this is the best one I've ever seen as far as it matching like the actual source material this is, in a lot of ways, a one-for-one -one shot of the game's intro. And I think that um, where it really um, holds a lot of strength is that it expands on the source material. And it's expanded and written by the person who wrote the source material. So, in a way, it's almost canon, even if it's not canon. Mm -hmm. And um, I guess we'll just jump right into it. So, uh, the intro starts out with Pedro Pascal playing Joel Miller and, um, Anna Tor, no, I'm sorry, uh, Nico Parker playing Sarah Miller. Um, it starts out with them, uh, pre-pandemic, um, pre-outbreak, them kind of going through their everyday lives. It gives you a little bit of a glimpse into their relationship. Um, Joel's at this point, like a single father taking care of his daughter. Um, and in the game, it starts out the night of, and it gives you maybe 10 minutes of playtime before it just kind of throws you into Joel arriving at home and everything breaking out. So you kind of get a glimpse into Sarah's routines and a little bit of her backstory, kind of her everyday life and how she kind of is, um, which I really, really enjoyed. Um, I'm going to keep ranting. I'm sorry. Brendan, we're going to throw it over to you. Um, what did you think of you playing the game before? Um, what did you think into the, the little glimpse of into Sarah's life that we got before the, the whole outbreak started? Um, so, you know, one of my biggest issues when it comes to uh, adapting anything whether it's a book or a video game you know obviously there's there's certain things that you have to pick and choose of what to put in because you'll you know if, especially if you're making a film you're going to be constrained for time um but you know it's kind of the the game is what eight nine hours long it's about 10 to 15 okay okay um so with there being 10 episodes um 
in this series, you know, I, I, I have a feeling that each episode is going to be about this, this runtime. So they're pretty much going to have the full gameplay length of, of episodes, but I just appreciated those, those really small, we see, um, we see his daughter going to the watch store and getting the watch fixed, which is, you know, one of his that watch is one of his defining characteristics because it it gives him that constant memory of what he's fighting for um i i just think that i think that they handled the opening really well especially with the um with the the interview that takes place in the 60s um, yeah that was interesting it, it did seem a little on the nose mm. um but i i i think that they handled the setup really well um, I like that we get to see a little slice into their life when she goes over to the neighbors. Um, and uh, yeah, I I do kind of wish that it would have the that the ap- apocalypse for for them would have started when she's wandering around the house wondering where her dad is. Um, but I do think that changing it to to the dog in the street thing kind of added. Uh, a whole other level of of anticipation, I think. Yeah, I I actually think that the the um, the intro in the game is stronger, in my opinion, than the intro in the show. Um, I think there's kind of um, I don't know. There's there's a little bit more of like impact how fast it happens and just like throws you into it. Yeah. Um, in what did you think of the intro before the outbreak started to happen? Um, just to kind of set you up here, we had things like her seeing the cops drive by, uh, the woman in the wheelchair behind her starting to like twitch and freak the fuck out. That was a cool um, shot. There, yeah, there was a I lot really of cool little signs that something was, you know, preluding to something bad happening. But what did you think of the intro? Uh, it was good. Um, I really wish I didn't play any of the game. So that first moment wouldn't have or would have impacted me a little more because um, that's a, that's a pretty big deal. That is a, a pretty big deal. Killing off a potential main character of the of the franchise. Um, but um, I'm pretty sure in the game you play as her. Right. And you're walking through the house and then you go and then, you know, boom, dead. Um so that was uh that was cool to see a little background of of that that of his daughter. Um and I liked the shot of her in the foreground and then the old lady in the background like doing that little <laughs> that was really cool. I'm still a little curious on how the infected are going to I, I just I want to see more of them. Uh I uh it doesn't show a whole lot. Yeah, they left a lot to be desired in this one, but yeah, it, it kind of plays out that way in the game too. It kind of it kind of ramps up slowly. Okay. Um, and the initial like fungus monster on the wall is that like a what? What was that? It's just a person that's uh, attached to the wall. So in this, um, through, in this through, through mushrooms. Yeah. So it's so in the game. Uh, the fungi spreads uh, spread spores that people breathe in, and that's the way that it kind of carries from host to host, um, aside from getting attacked by one of the already turned creatures. But in this, they went with tentacles, um, which when... If you look in the beginning when the family is infected and the thing starts to break out when she's in the like the kitchen, when the neighbor's like screaming you see tentacles coming out of its mouth um which is completely new that was never in the game but craig said that he didn't think spores would be realistic enough as far as um um so like how do i say it so like adaptation version yeah because in real life if spores was the main way it kind of carried between people it would affect the entire world. Like everybody would just be wearing masks constantly. And he didn't really want to have that in the show. So he went with the whole tentacle thing. And he didn't want to have the actors covering their face the entire show. Yeah. Uh, That, that makes sense. Um, yeah, the opening was good. I I really liked the opening. I wish I, again, I wish I didn't play the first, the, the first like hour and a half of the game that would have impacted me. And it would have hit me uh, a lot more than, than, 
Um, yeah, there, there's going to be a lot of people that think that Sarah's going to be the main character that kind of carries with Joel through the story, and that's going to be like the narrative thread of them surviving the apocalypse, and then it kind of turns itself on its head. And I think that a lot of people are going to experience the same kind of traumatic event that the gamers experienced back in 2013. And yeah, there, um, there, there's us biting our knuckles as as they walk up to the. Uh, to the uh, military guy because we we know what the fuck is going to happen yeah. and the audience is like oh he's probably going to let them through yeah I think yeah. it was executed in my opinion better yeah. in the TV show I, I liked it a lot more why um just the emotion I guess you could see more of the the actors faces instead of being covered in like a, a video game in 720p right um so I guess that's that's a big difference I think uh only oh, acting of the the girl was like yeah. that was that was some really good acting, super believable. Um, I think that the reason why this is going to be different than just a normal zombie apocalypse is for the same reason why I think The Walking Dead, when it initially released, was very popular because it focused less on the monsters and more on the human on human interactions and like how that was kind of the downfall of society more than the actual plague itself. And The Last of Us kind of follows that kind of theme a lot. It's more of just the the degrading of humans in general rather than um, monsters destroying the environment and things like that. So I think uh, as long as they carry out what... The, hey, if the, the first episode is any indication, then we have a lot to look forward to. But I do want to see more of like the creature design and stuff, which will start to happen a lot. Um, I'm going to say, though, that I finally got my uh, ec- excellently executed video game to f- live-action adaptation. And I honestly don't care that much. Um, like, do, okay, hear me out. Hear me out. As I was watching it and it was done, I was kind of just like, yeah, that was good. Like... I'm glad it exists, but like it wasn't the next stage, like revolutionary thing. I've been holding on a pedestal for years and years and years. I was, I wasn't that as excited as I thought I would be. Is it because you more or less expected it to be well done? Because things nowadays are just. It's normal for them to be a well-made film or a well-made video game or, or whatever. Like, I feel like back in the day, she was just what you got. Yeah, I think that might be part of it is that with all the people behind it and where it was coming from, I was expecting it to be good. But I also just think that, like, I already have my Last of Us. You know what I mean? Like, and this is the first time I've ever experienced it now from, like, because. Okay, like going back to like Resident Evil, for example, Resident Evil is one of my favorite video game things, and I still haven't gotten a good live action adaptation of a Resident Evil. So I think I kept chasing on what could have been or what can be. Mm. And now, since I actually got a good one and I know what it's like, I'm just like, well, I like the game better. Like, it's such a passive experience to be watching that. It doesn't hit me emotionally as much as it does playing the character and being in the game. And honestly, I like I said, I already have my Last of Us. But but that being said, like I'm glad that a lot of people are going to be experiencing this for the first time because it's going to bring conversation. It, like it's going to bring people together that wouldn't normally have a conversation. Like I'm going to be able to have a conversation with Dom's mom about the Last of Us, <laughs> which I never thought would happen in my life. Like me being able to talk to just a normal person about Joel and Ellie and you know their adventures and shit. Like I. And because it's a true adaptation, the conversations are going to be very uh, similar to what would have been if they played the game, which I'm excited for. Um, do you guys have any um, Ian question? That's a that's a very good point that you brought up. Um, like in the past, it's there's just been a very huge disconnect between the gaming community to movie or like average movie watcher and. Um, that's cool. Yeah, that's cool to to see that. Yeah, the similarities are so are, are so close that the conversations are going to be much more aligned than they would be if like 
a person who watched the first Resident Evil movie, what yeah. <laughs> the first Resident Evil game, be like, oh, that mansion part with great, like, mansion, what the fuck are you talking about? Chris, who, who the fuck is that? Like, yes. all, all these things that would never, you know, come in conversation are going to be like more apparent in the last of us conversation. So I'm excited about that. Um, do you guys have a um, highlight of the first episode as far as like um, a scene you enjoyed? It's going to be harder for Ian because he doesn't have anything to compare it to. Yeah. But is there anything that... So you've heard all the hype from The Last of Us. Was there anything from the first episode that kind of made you more interested in the IP? Like any particular scene that was like, okay, this is kind of interesting? Yes. Um, it's, it wasn't a scene. It was, uh, it's more how much people love Joel and Ellie. And I do not like them so far in the first episode i think joel obviously he's uh he's got some problems and i'm excited to see where his character goes and develops in that way um i mean he's kind of at the lowest point in, in his life where he had a humongous loss um and 20 years later he's he hasn't recovered from that loss so um it's gonna be cool to see how he adapts to that having like Ellie in his life now and how they're going to grow throughout the show. And she obviously has to have like some sort of antidotes in her blood or whatever to the, to the virus. Um, but um, I'm excited to see where their relationship goes. What about you, Brennan? Um, I would have to say uh, my, the highlight, is actually for me at the end when when Joel ends up beating the shit out of that guy he was giving drugs to that he was uh that he smuggled and he smuggled into the the QZ um cuz there's that moment when he's when he's beating the shit out of that guard that Ellie gives him this look of no one's ever stood up for me like that and he has that fleeting moment of of remembering the time the last time someone pointed a gun at him and his daughter that scene was so it, cool like it was that's something sorry to interrupt really quick no, 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 go ahead i'm just gonna nerd out really quick that was so well done which they didn't do in the show or the game obviously like that's something i actually liked better in the show was that scene where he's pointing the gun at him because it happens a lot faster in the game but yes. He when he's pointing the gun at him and the lights in his face and it flits it you know it flashes back to him holding Sarah with the light in his face and then like he just like oh, man I love that that was awesome and I I think that's that's one of the many ways that this show is going to be able to expand on uh, I not the lore but just expand on the ideas presented in the game because in the game you know uh, it just takes a moment to crouch up behind a Fedra agent and you know fucking slit their throat but i have a feeling that this show is going to make those moments more personal um if if that moment that that we were talking about is um is uh i think that's fairly evident that that's fairly evident of that so that was probably my favorite moment yeah that that's a good point that that goes back to my what I said earlier is uh, like they they have the foundation they have an amazing game already to fall back on as far as the storytelling aspect of it just expand on that and those are little subtle ways where they can kind of ring out like new awesome moments that add more context to like what's already happened um they've already kind of hinted at the next episodes where they go to Billstown which is a very big part of the game and um spoilers a little bit but bill um is gay and uh he talks about his partner a lot but in the game his partner is already dead like he's left but in this you get to see frank which is his partner in the game and um they run into him and they interact with him so that's going to be something that you've only heard about but never seen so i hope they expand on that in a really cool way and if neil Druckmann is still behind that that's that's going to be interesting to see how that plays out I'm also looking forward to uh I wonder how they're gonna handle the the sniper scene. Oh, yeah. Yeah, where okay. you're in the house and the Fred then the Fedra agents are uh all swarming. Closing under- in on you. Yeah. Yeah, that's gonna be interesting. Um that's that's a lot farther in the game. So it, if they do cover that, that 
that's going to be like an episode five or six kind of thing. And I know that there's only seven episodes in this, or is it? Is there, I I thought, thought there uh, nine, maybe? Ten. Oh, look. It's nine episodes. Oh, okay. Yeah. So, yeah, that's probably going to be like seven, you know. But, okay. Um, do you guys have anything else you want to cover on the first episode? Do you guys have any thoughts on where am I might go? I mean, it's kind of hard because I, if they follow the game, I already kind of know where it's going to go. But um, do you guys have any final thoughts on the first episode? Uh, the, all, all I do. Um, so the two things, the one, the big, the one main thing that disappointed me in this was how there were no scenes of Joel crab walking around, grabbing bandages and scissors off of desks. (laughs) (laughs) They got to do a call out to that. Like, honestly, um, but I, so, uh, obviously that's just a, a little meme. Um, I think what is very impressive about this show is it can be perfectly followed by someone who's played the game and also by someone who has not played the game because if you've played the game you know Marlene you know you know you know all the cast of characters that are being introduced to us you know um you know or we think we know which direction the show is going to go in but if you've never played the game uh, I think it does a really good job of giving you just enough information to keep you entertained, to keep you engaged, um, to keep your attention, but it doesn't just dump everything on the table. Um, it's doing what a show needs to do, and that's slowly giving you bits and bits of information over the time. It just so happens if you've played the game, you know what that information is probably going to be. Um, so I, I think that they handle that that uh, balance really well. Cool. Let's go ahead and give our rating for the first episode. Ian, we're going to start with you. What are your final thoughts? <laughs> in I was not aware of this. For um, The Last of Us, episode one. Um, when you're lost in the darkness. It is, man. I've never rated like a TV show before, it's first like, time. like first an episode, time. an episode, one episode. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's the first episode. It was good. Seven and a half stars. Oh, uh, three and a half stars. Three point five. Three point five. Heart or no heart? Um, not yet. No. No. Gives heart. Megan a heart, but not the last of us. <laughs> I mean. Teacher's down. Brendan, let's throw it over to you. Final thoughts and rating on The Last of Us, episode one, When You're Lost in the Dark. Um, excellent, excellent, excellent. Great world building, um, great acting. Pedro Pascal is absolutely fantastic. The amount of times that I had to look over at Zach and be like, holy shit, he really does look like Joel. Um, I... I I probably couldn't count it on two hands the amount of times I did that. Um, dude, he sounds so much like him too. Oh, dude, holy shit! Like to the T. Um, I was whatever about him being Joel, honestly. And then after watching this episode, I'm like, dude, he's fucking Joel. Yeah, yeah. like no one else could have played him at this. He's point. totally Joel. Yeah. Um, I cannot wait to see where this show goes. Uh, obviously, we know. The direction that's going to go in, but I can't wait to see how they handle it. How they um, handle it, definitely. I can't yeah. wait to see uh, the zombies. I can't wait to see the clickers, the bloaters, Ooh. dude. The big guy in the trailer. Ooh, Have you seen oh that? The bloater coming out. Oh, yeah. That's like, so I wonder if there's going to be the the high school basketball court scene. Mm. Um, but yeah, I'm just all around excited. Um, this is absolutely fantastic. Uh, 4.5 with a big old heart. Four point five and a heart. Awesome. Fuck it. Five and a heart. Five and a heart. Going episode one, not holding back. Five and a heart. All right. Um, I'm less excited what this show brings to me, and more excited what it brings to uh, the conversation as a whole to everyone, um, non gamers. Um, I'm glad that people are going to be able to experience The Last of Us in a way that stays true to the original source material and 
not just from a um, adaptation standpoint, but from a quality standpoint, it seems like they're going to nail it. So um, I'm really excited for for this to be in more people's conversation, and uh, I am very excited to see, like Brendan said, not where it goes, but how they handle it and uh, see if they take the same level of care that the uh, original creators do or did with the game. Um, I'm going to give this a four and a heart for me. All right. So we're going to take a quick commercial break. Brought to you by the Ruminations Radio Network. We'll be right back. What's up, gang? This is Hoptimus. You've been listening to one of the great new podcasts from Ruminations Radio Network. If you want some more tasty sound vibes, come check out my new podcast, The Retro Futurist Culture, where we talk about alternate timelines, cyberpunk, anime, and other crazy worlds. If that does not strike your fancy, we have plenty of other great shows at RuminationsRadioNetwork.com. And we're back. Welcome back to Ruminations of Red Room, a horror podcast on the Ruminations Radio Network. It's time to get into America's favorite game, Soon the World's What's in the Box? The game where my co-host must guess the average rating on Letterboxd based on me reading the description of the film. They guess within 0.3 of the average rating on Letterboxd. They will, re- they will be awarded a point. If they guess the decade in which the film was released, they will get awarded a second point. I said last episode that I was going to nail that. I didn't do it. Yikes. Didn't do it. It was worse, worse, right? (laughs) Are you guys ready for number one? Yes. Uh, Yeah. Watch your step. A staircase leading to a schoolgirl's dormitory usually has 28 steps, but sometimes a 29th step appears. Any wish you make while standing on this step comes true, even if it comes true in the most horrific way possible. 2.1. Damn. You know, I have a movie on my wish list. Don't be looking at stuff. That I'm not. I'm not. And it's not a wish list. It's a watch list. But watch ahead. list. And I can like. I feel like this might be the movie. And I can picture the cover right now. I'm gonna go uh, three point It is in fact three point one. Ian gets the point. Guess it is the movie. The decade. Oh, is the tricky part. Nineties, two thousands. It is the two thousands. Ian gets awarded the second point. I didn't know it was on your watch list till after I added it, and then I saw it was on there. I was like, "Mm," because it just sounded cool. It does sound cool. It is the two thousand three film "Wishing Stairs," directed by Young Ji Ying. I probably said that wrong. I'm sorry if I did. Um. Yeah, 2003. The reason why I picked 2003 is because that's when The Last of Us started. In the mm-hmm. Are you ready for number two? Yes. Yeah. I gotta watch that movie. This one has no little subtitle. So. Uh, yeah. A man walks into a meticulously clean and sterile bathroom and proceeds to shave. When his face is clean, however, he only continues to shave until he pierces through his skin. Blood covers him and falls around him. The red contrasting the perfect spotlessness of the bathroom. 3.3. Hmm. 3.5. And, Brendan, you said 3.3? Yeah. You guys are both awarded a point. The average rating is... Oh, I'm sorry. Three, no, no, 3.6. Yeah, you guys are both awarded a point. 3.6. Guess the decade. 80s. Oh, no. Early 2000s. <laughs> if that's what he's keeping track on, right? 
I never said that. But. I mean, 2003, is this? Is the 20s. <laughs> 2000, 2020. Decade. Oh, man. Yeah, because it could be 2023. You both are incorrect. It is the 1967 film, The Big Shave, directed by Martin Scorsese, genre uh, horror. Yeah. Weird. That's are you ready? Dude. So it's Ian 3, Brennan 1. Are you ready for number 3? Yes. Two, two. You can't stop progress. <laughs> mm. Hell yeah. It's <laughs> a great opener. Mark 13 is a government-built killing machine programmed with artificial intelligence, able to repair and recharge, its, recharge itself from any energy source. Through a series of coincidences, the cyborg's head ends up in the home of a sculptress as a bizarre Christmas present from her boyfriend. Once inside its new home, the cyborg promptly reconstructs the rest of its body using a variety of household utensils and proceeds to go on a murderous rampage. Two point nine. Two point six. Brennan gets awarded the second point. The average rating is three point two. Guess the decade. You could tie it up. Right now, for year to date, it's Ian 1, Brennan 1. So it's tied. It's got to be 80. Guess the year. I'll give you a second point. It's got to be 80s. People in the 80s love cops, but what they love more than cops is robots. (laughs) And robots. (laughs) I'm not saying what year it is. I'm just agreeing with Ian's. Uh, and I'm going to say 1984. Good year. Great year. I'm going to stick with the 20s. I think the Doobie Brothers' best album came out that year. Callback. Not that sure. is incorrect. It is the 1990 film yeah, right on the cusp. I always get fucked. Right on the cusp. 1990 film Hardware, directed by Richard Stanley. Damn. Who's a rapist? I did not know that. Is Jesus, that why do you have knowledge of all these yeah, why do you celebrities have that are rapists? Do you have like a list? Well, he made one of the most popular fucking H.P. Lovecraft movies like three years ago, and then he signed a huge-ass deal with Spectre Vision to do three more movies, and then it came out that he was a, uh, a physical and sexual abusive piece of shit. It's you are you, you do, yeah fair yeah. enough dude i didn't know he even made a movie since like the 90s so you're yeah, good he, he did a color out of space with nicholas cage oh, colorado space interesting that richard same richard stanley huh interesting you really know your rapist Brendan. really know your rapist <laughs> so that puts year to date ian at two brendan at one This has been another episode of Ruminations of Red Room, the remastered remake ultimate edition part one of the Ruminations Radio Network. If you like what we're doing here, be sure to follow us on Twitter at of Red Room. That's OF Red Room. Also, join our Discord to hang out and talk with the community. You can join our Discord by the link in the bio of our Twitter. That being said, I'm your host, Kyle with a K. And today, joining me, we have Ian with two E's. Do you think uh, Michael plays video games? I'm going to go on a limb and say yes, but he only plays Madden and Call of Duty. Yeah. He buys the new Madden every single year. And like he, he'll get the new game console for Madden. For like Madden. He's that invested in his, uh, his fantasy mode. Who's his team? Oof. He lives in Alaska. This is going to be established lore right now, so who's his team? You know what I mean? Man. Lives in Alaska. Maybe Seattle? Yeah, but he didn't he didn't oh, like he didn't grow up in Alaska. Like True. he moved there. Uh, so like it, I thought he said he was from he was, uh, didn't he say he was from Texas? So he's probably a Cowboys fan. Is he Texas? Cowboys? Not. Nah, I'd go with Houston. He's a Houston guy. He was in Oilers, then he went to the uh the Texans. So he's a cowboy guy. No, Houston Texans guy. 
There's that's two pro- football teams, NFL teams in Texas? Yes. Yes, there is. <laughs> Fair enough. <laughs> and Brendan, Mr. Fantastic of the Ruminations of Renrum CU. Uh, hey, we'll wrap. Stay spooky, folks. <laughs> <laughs>